Welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders like you get the knowledge and skills you need to impact more people and live the life you've always wanted. Get ready to experience tools, tips, and advice by the co-founders of Giant and best-selling authors, Jeremy Kubacek and Steve Cockrum. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast. As always, I'm here with my great friend and business partner, Steve Cockrum. Aww. This is Jeremy Kubitschek, by the way. I always never say my name, but people know. <laughs> How you doing, well, Steve-O? You, you're the famous one, Jeremy. I, I'm just yeah, the, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the piece of eye candy on the other side of the Atlantic. That's what <laughs> I completed. Eye candy. That's a new, yes. That should be your nickname. <laughs> I've got the perfect face for radio, apparently. Steve I candy Cockrum. <laughs> There you oh, go. dude, there you go. how you doing? You've been a little bit uh, under the weather a little bit. You've got yeah. all three strains, yeah. right? The original COVID, yeah. Delta yeah. M. I've got everything, basically. I had a, I had the, <laughs> get your money's worth. That's what I say. I had my Moderna booster yesterday, having been given some spurious AstraZeneca ones the first time, which turned out to be a batch from India that was corrupted. So <laughs> America were banning me coming in with an Indian variant. So I've now had Moderna. And of course, obviously, I've got a very high pain threshold and tolerance for pain. And uh, but even I've been a little yes. bit set back by Moderna, but you know, I'm powering through and obviously nothing's going to stop me being on the podcast with you. So my wife, on the other hand, is, fa- is fast asleep in bed. She's completely out cold. So anyone who says that the male female, you know, threshold for pain and vaccine is the same is, is not true. And I'm delighted she never listens to this podcast. So I'd be in real trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Someone will tell her though. Let's, let's talk about man flu threshold mm. would you consider this are you in a man flu right now yeah i use the phrase for extra sympathy i don't if i'm being <laughs> honest with you and just our five million listeners i don't think it's the flu i think it's well, okay. i think it's kind of like a little bug that i keep yeah. trying it's it's not covid so don't worry you can't catch covid down the airways but good. no i think i'm just a little bit under the weather a bit of a sore throat but of course being a man that's pretty pretty significant and my whole <laughs> in the immortal words which apparently all my children mock me for is there's the and this is the moment when i finish and i go i'm shutting down and that's my phrase which usually means leave me alone i'm going to lie down in a darkened room and watch sports so i don't have man flu um I'm, and i'm probably being you know a little bit of a drama queen but that won't come as a huge surprise to you <laughs> or the people who know me well so w- whenever you deal with a pioneer connector or entp Whenever we're sick or ill, we're dying. We, we just don't do pain that well. And anything which limits our freedom and immortality is always a challenge. For those who don't know, um, Steve, the Cochran family and the Kubitschek family in 2013 moved into this manor this mm. estate called Hedser Priory, 10-bedroom manor house right by the River Thames. Cochrams had one wing. We had one wing. And we were literally... Uh, so it was really fascinating to actually live life with uh, mm. adults, and you learn a lot. So I got to see man flu, and yeah. then you got to put up with me, and um, yeah. you know, but just watching. I I'll, I'll always remember seeing Steve laying there watching countless hours of cricket. I was like, man, how can you watch cricket? That I would be so fast asleep. No offense. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no offense to the cricketers. Uh... I always remember this was you as a friend that I always admire that, you know, as, as a proof feeler, you try and think about what people love. And in your old house in Atlanta, 
where I had like the basement room and you bought a DVD. I don't even remember it of yes, India yes. against Australia where do you remember the names of the batsmen who came back and basically go on have a go uh VV Laxman VVX VVS Laxman very good and the yes. other one was I mean just Score. game one's incredible it was that's amazing and Rahul Dravid oh yeah and Brian Cricky Brian <laughs> no I'm just making making up Australian funding <laughs> names Cricky well done know. That's Thank that's you. the kind of that's the kind of friend you are that actually you bought a DVD so we could sit in your basement with beer and watch cricket together. I've never forgotten it. You've never done anything as nice since. So what <laughs> what, what triggered it? I don't know, but it was it was great. <laughs> uh, that's when I first got to know you, and then after that, I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I don't need to impress you anymore. Um, uh, do I hear, by the way, that you're heading to Cancun next week? Oh, no, no, no. It's wrong. I'm heading there today. Not next oh. week, t- today. When did you go all guardian on me? <laughs> so, yes, I am heading, well, because I'm excited. In fact, the only thing between between me and Paradise is you <laughs> and our guests. And so I'm like, I'm literally, I'm shutting down. And, yeah, and I'm right. shutting down to go get on an airplane. And uh, yeah, we go to Cancun. We're going to, taking our kids and we're taking mm-hmm. my parents Um and, and my wife, obviously, uh, but we're taking uh, our family and we're super excited um, just to go down. Uh, for those who don't know, also, we, we use Steve and I and our team would do a marriage retreats and events down in Cancun. This one place called Paradisus. Mm. And uh, they so know us that when we went last time, everybody was like, no, Cuba Jacks. And they're like, Jeremy Kelly. And so we, you know, we're like, we can't let them down. They usually ask wherever we go. They usually go, "Where's Hunter?" Hunter's like yeah, the, sure, the what you sure. know in terms of the one that they all love. Where's Hunter? You know, like, oh, dear, yeah, here we true. go again. We had to take him back last time because of an HR issue, but you know, we're, we're all good now. So, by the way, did I read in the news that there's problems in Cancun with drug lords <laughs> riding onto the beach in jet skis and shooting people? You've got history for traumatic events in Cancun. Yeah, I hope you've got the yeah. key man insurance before you go, by the way. We we actually, no, it's a great point. And uh, we actually, it could be a new business model for us. We'll see. I mean, they could be making a lot of money. No. Yeah. And Kelly and I had an opportunity to get hit by a drunk driver in Cancun in 2002. And so about five years ago, we decided, let's not let that own us anymore. And so we've been going back regularly just to go, yeah, it, we're, we've forgotten it. We won't be touring the hospital that we were in or the location where we were hit, but we will be uh, safely nestled in, hopefully, without jet ski, uh, you know, drug lords. Well, I only hope there isn't an Omicron tsunami, which is the latest phrase they've got going over the news over here. So if, if Cancun gets shut down, I imagine the Paradisus is one of the there's worse places <laughs> to get stuck in Marines. So uh, I hope you um what 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 was your favorite cocktail? I'm trying to remember what your favorite cocktail was. Uh, the, beach the was. BBC. The BBC. Bailey's bananas, Bailey's and cream. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm teetotal, so I had sparkling water, so that was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bananas and cream, it just works. So. I think Mississippi mud pie was my favorite. Uh, well, the fun part about this place is you can just go, let's, you try different things, right, and see what you like and don't like. So, um, I'm very, all right, very Steve. pleased for you. Very pleased for you. So I'll let you know. I'll keep you posted how I'm doing. I'll send kind of regular screenshots just to let you know as you're there. In trapped in your house, 
<laughs> as long as you send them to me and not put them on Facebook where everyone defriends you because they really don't want to know that you're in the Maldives uh, again. Uh, <laughs> you're funny. You're funny. I know, I know. Well, uh, what do we have today? You've got you, you're you're teeing some someone up. Or no, we've got Tracy. Tracy's up, right? With our yeah. question. Tracy always yeah. brings us back. Yeah, don't forget about our question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got good questions coming in. So here's a good one from John from Oregon. He says, my boss has a lot of pride, the bad kind of pride. I like my team and my role and I've learned how to put up with him, but I just wish he had more humility. How would you deal with my boss if you were me? Uh, as the one who wrote the book Effortless Humility and how I mastered it, I guess I ought to speak to this one <laughs> humbly, if you're good with that. <laughs> Please, you start, start away. <laughs> I think that the hardest thing in the world is to help people who are unconsciously incompetent. Uh, my, my working hypothesis is when you deal with a boss like that, John, it's not he means to, and I'm assuming it's a he, you didn't give us all the clues there, but it's a working assumption. So if you start with the, the, the premise that your boss is unconsciously incompetent, they don't mean to be like that. It's just they haven't had the opportunity to look in the mirror and ask the question, what's it really like to be on the other side of me? So when you're trying to lead up, you have to be really careful because you have to lead through influence because you can't just tell them what they need to do. So the thing we often, you know, voices is just one of the most fantastic tools for simple self-awareness. And what I would do is I would just, maybe for Christmas, maybe buy him a book, but more importantly, share some of your own learning from what you've encountered with Giant and say, do you know, I found this so helpful. Give a couple of examples that actually show you dealing with some of your own struggles and how it helped. And just throw in the idea of going, I wonder if this might be a, a tool that we could use with our team, because I think it might help us be even more productive and achieve even more in 22. So when you've got someone who's a bit lacking humility, the chances are they're more of a thinker than a feeler. So therefore, actually, winning and productivity are words that they really like. And the thought that they can actually maybe improve performance as a team gives you a chance for them to maybe look in the mirror and ask. But um, it's a challenge. But have a bit of compassion because it's usually unconscious incompetence. It's not usually a deliberate decision. I say this on behalf of my pioneer species. What have you got for me, Joseph? Yeah, well, I, I would agree with that. I think the other part is there's two things I thought of was control what you can, the controllables. What what can you control? And a lot of times, what will happen is people get frustrated, especially if you're the direct report, and maybe people are coming to you, um, and then um, other people from other teams kind of you know look and go, oh, man, he's killing us. What a jerk. He whatever. So for you to control what you can control. And then the other part is just being consistent. Consistency wins. So if you're consistent with someone, uh, there might become a point in time where he does see himself in the broccoli in his teeth in a mirror. And then if he sees that you're an advocate for him, not a snide, cynical person, jaded underneath him, then you're not going to create tension and drama. So, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, I think of Michael Scott, you know, I think of like on, on the office or you start thinking about pride and certain these like, oh, my gosh, he's clueless. Is he ever going to get it? Right. So it's just a and, and there was Jim who did a pretty decent job handling Michael uh, on the show. But 
it's a hard one. It just happens so uh, much. There's so many of these. So if you can remain consistent, if you like Steve's advice, and if you can actually just learn to control what you can control and show up every day being the adult and not actually sliding into a teenager, uh, then that's probably the best thing you can do for the organization. So great question, John. Thanks for sending them in. For the rest of you, please, uh, if you have questions, uh, please uh, feel free to send them in. Tracy, where do they send those again? Yeah, they can send them to hello at giantworldwide.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Hey, today, um, Steve, I'm super excited about our guest um, because, and I know you are too, we have a special friend um, with us. Let's bring him in, Brad Lominick. What's happening, Lamy? How are you doing, brother? What's happening? I'm I'm, uh, I'm good. good. It's uh, almost Christmas time. I want to go to Cancun. Let's go. Let's go. Where are you at right now? Are you in you in Nashville, Atlanta? Oh, I'm actually in Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Not far from you. Okay. Okay. All right. Brad is one of those guys. He lives multi-site. You never know where multi-site. he's at. Multi-site. Yeah, multi-site. So let me introduce Brad Lamanek here, and then we can throw all types of other accolades onto him, Steve. But um, Brad uh, Lamanek, Brad is an author. He is a consultant. He is um, a good friend to many. He's a podcaster. He is a celebrity figure, basically. <laughs> and uh, Brad is, uh, he's an influencer. Probably that's the best word. He's an influencer. And he he loves to serve and help um, uh, the next generation. Uh, he is a former executive uh, director and leader of the Catalyst Conferences. Um, he has, um, it, again, he just speaks into a lot of people's lives. He works with a lot of great companies. Uh, and we had the privilege of working together. We worked together for about seven, eight years, something like that. In yeah. uh, when when I was living in, in uh, when I was working with him, we were we were running these events and we were trying to change the world from 2007 to so on and so forth. But those are our glory days. So, Brad, welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast, brother. It's so good to be here. Listen, uh, for all the leaders listening, uh, we can tell stories on each other. So this is the fun part is we know where the bodies are buried and and the bodies actually <laughs> probably have to do with, with us uh, literally or figuratively shooting each other. <laughs> Absolutely. And you promised us a bump of another million listeners, Brad, from your network. No question. That more or less takes us into double figures millions soon. So <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're powering up the charts. So Listen, it's great to have you. I am, I am massive. I am, I'm a huge celebrity uh, in, in a couple of countries that are unnamed still. So I'm bringing yes. all those fans to the, uh, to the podcast here. We we prefer to we, we've got we've got a lot of Chinese bots that follow us, haven't we, Jeremy? They they seem to love what we do. Yeah, I'll bring all my one million Instagram followers who don't actually exist. Uh, that's awesome. Well, all right, hey Brad, let's get into it, man. Tell us some stories, yeah. dude. Get give a few stories about um uh, you know our some of our famous you know we because we were actually working together where we bought this company. I moved Brad right. over to run Catalyst, and I was kind of running the holding business and Brad was running one specific brand that was the most successful one that we had. Um, we had John Maxwell, we had Catalyst, we had LeaderCast. We grew Catalyst the most. And that was, I, I attribute that to your leadership because without you, it wouldn't have happened. So, um, well, first of all, you, you and the, and, and the giant team really saved us 
in 2007. And, you know, we were, uh, I mean, Catalyst was doing okay, but the organization was really struggling. And we were at the point where it was sort of, uh, I mean, everybody was looking around at the table going, I'm not sure we're going to make it. And you guys came in and rescued us. I remember our first meeting in Oklahoma City and the the team, you know, several of the team went there to hang out with you and and some of the partners of Giant. And we were just like, thank you. I mean, this is this is actually going to give us a new life. Um, and then you moved to Atlanta and were the you were the CEO, Jeremy. And, you know, the, I mean, the thing I think that that was so true for me was um, I wasn't and this, this is like me being self-aware nowadays and also like learning how to lead well with a new boss was I still, I, I was basically trying to protect things from, from outsiders. And, you know, I'd kind of gone through a couple of different seasons with owners that, that it was, it just didn't work well. And here you were showing up and I kind of, I treated you the same way I had treated some other people. Um, and, the lesson for me was I have to, I have to lead up to my boss. Like even, even though I'm wired a certain way that I, that I, you know, I appreciate when people lead me the way I'm wired, but I, I didn't do a good job of actually leading up to you and, you know, we're, we're wired differently. And so I think for a few years it was, there was, it wasn't tension, but I just don't, I think there was some like disconnect in terms of, us being able to communicate and you know that it didn't like it didn't cause major drama uh, but it was it was my job to actually be self-aware to actually do that well compared to you know me going well you just got to put up with the fact that I'm here and this is the way I am and if you don't like it you know leave me alone I mean that's that's just immature leadership well, you were definitely a strong voice, but I needed it and I respected it. Like I wanted it, but it was that both and I loved it and hated it at, at the same time. Like, and I wanted it. Yeah. I needed you to be that leader because again, without you, oh, I'm, I'm not going to do that work. And so that was, that was part of the hard part. Like, Hey, Brad, you go do all the hard stuff, you know, but you know, for me, I'm the, I was 35 years old when I became CEO, when we bought that. 35 that's so young and now you you think uh how immature i was in my connector creative pioneer bringing an idea every other day and so you had a lot of ideas i had a lot of you would drop by my office you drop by my office quite often uh throughout the week and uh it was here comes another idea and you know you didn't need more ideas (laughs) exactly my thought was well i just want to execute on what we're trying to do um but the way you wanted to process was, hey, let's let's brainstorm, let's create, let's 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 dream, um, and that felt like that to me. Many times that felt like a distraction. To you, that felt like we're actually like connecting, right? And Absolutely. again, again, my you know my immaturity was was I wouldn't you know take a few extra minutes to actually like connect and dream and talk about those ideas, uh, and so you know. But these this, are, was, this is this is. Pre to all the tools, like we didn't, we didn't have a common language. We weren't, uh, we didn't know how to communicate. We didn't have communication code. There was all that stuff that was in there, which is really part of the whole learning. When you die, when you get, when you get, uh, so frustrated and you, you, I won't say fail, we didn't fail in our leadership, but it was definitely not, you know, it was the immaturity was being sifted out of us. 
and it was like a fulcrum. And we, we, when you start stepping into maturity, you start, that's where the tools came from was my side of the tools came from my experience with Brad and other leaders of where I screwed up or where I could have been more effective. So this, this is, this is a beautiful moment, boys. It's a bit like couples therapy live in front of five million people. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm, I'm, I'm into my second box of Kleenex over here at the moment. It's like, <laughs> Sleepless in oh, Seattle. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep going. Maybe before you know it, Brad, he'll have sent you a ticket to Cancun if you carry exactly. on. This <laughs> I'm loving it. Keep going. Keep there's going. So, there's so many leaders, I think, that, um, that end up being, being the, um, the drivers, they're they're highly ambitious, they're intense. Um, you know, they're like I am. I, I mean, Steve and I, we we argue or debate. Am I really an ENTJ? I think I am. Um, you know, but but the the idea that I found value and worth from actually executing and delivering and growing something, and there was always that sense of I will, I'll, you know, if I'm not careful, I'll run over everybody on the way to success. And, and again, for me, that's, that's, that's a blind spot that I think people really appreciated because they're like, Hey, you're going to get us to the top of Mount Everest. But, but my challenge was, well, let's just make sure we're all healthy. Once we get there, we don't need, you know, we don't need people laying in the ditch besides, beside the, uh, the trail on the way up. Cause that's not actually real true success as a leader. And I enabled it to happen because we were winning. So I'm yeah, like, I'll sure. put up, I'll put up with this side stuff, <laughs> right? Because we're right. winning, and because I yeah. had two other divisions that weren't winning, and so I had to, I was spending my time trying to turn those around and create the Chick Fil A leader cast and get the John Maxwell stuff and all that moving right. So it was just fascinating um, season. But you had an alter ego, didn't you, Brad? Didn't you have a name, Darb? That, Darb. Darb. Yeah, so. that was the team's nickname for me, uh, and I found you know kind of found out about it because we went to Dave and Buster's for a celebration day to play skee ball and you know hoop shoot and we'd hit we'd hit some big mile marker in terms of registrations for a conference and of course I think that's sideways energy I think uh, this is a waste of time we need we got another event to go sell um, but you know I I reluctantly go well then the team buys a gift with like ten thousand tickets we won from hours of hoop shoot and it's two dolls one of which is an angel doll and one one of which is a devil doll and they gave them to me as a present and they were like we love you you know thanks for celebration day and of course the angel doll represents the the leader they love yeah and the devil doll represents darb and they and i was like well what what's up with the devil doll and they said that's darb and i said who's darb they said that's your nickname we've been calling you for like months <laughs> Behind, you know, sort of behind your back. And I'm like, I'll fire every one of you right now. Darb will, Darb will raise his, uh, his, his, his evil head. Um, but, you know, it was, it was, it was, first of all, it took the whole team to sort of confront Darb on his Darbness. But here's what happened. You guys know this. Like once, once that was out in the open, now the interns all the way up to the people who had been there the longest with me had permission to say to me, hey, you're darbing me right now. Like, quit darbing me. And and it allowed for us to actually feel freedom to hold each other accountable to things that, again, I, you know, occasionally, you know, you know, Chad Johnson, both of you, Chad, you know, Chad and I would have these these moments of of great conflict, even though we were 
great friends. And again, it was because I wasn't even aware that I was being that leader that he didn't want to work for. Hmm. Um, and, and it was so important for me again, to know that, oh, I do have these moments where I create such intensity that I'm not aware of that, that people get uncomfortable. And so I, I love it when the things are put in out in the open and into the light on a team. And now culture, you, the culture of the team has f- freedom, permission to hold each other accountable, to say, hey, you're, you know, you're doing that thing again, um, regardless of whether you're in charge of me or whether you're the, the intern that just showed up, you know, two days ago. And that's what it gets fun to be part of a team uh, because we all have the freedom to help each other get better. Absolutely. And I think that, Brad, I mean, that ultimately was the journey that we both went on is journey of humility. Uh, you become secure and confident and humble, which you've written a book, uh, H3 uh, Leader. And I want you to explain that uh, in a, here in a bit. But that was a journey of humility because you actually have to die to self. And when you when you realize you stop dominating yourself and start liberating yourself, you start calling yeah. yourself up. And I know both you and I, interestingly, um, we I left to go to London and I I was done. I'm like, I'm done. I was seven years. I wasn't supposed to be there that long. I thought it was going to be a few years to try to turn the company around. And then we ended up selling, you know, all those pieces. But I needed I needed to like go back into what I'm doing now, right? You came along what probably two years later, a year later, two years later, and had the same experience, like almost the same journey. And so, you, and then you met this guy named Steve Cockrum. Now you already knew Steve, but you came to hang out with Steve Cockrum. So walk through what happened when you went through an intensive with Steve. What what kind of reordered in your life? Oh my gosh! Well. First of all, I got sent. I sort of got sent to the principal's office uh, by by the you know the owners of the organization. This was like 2013, and it was one of those things of hey, some of this some of this dysfunction we're starting to notice. And I knew I was becoming a toxic leader. The weight, the responsibility, all the all the sense of like I'm over here trying to you know build this thing, and it just gets heavy as a leader. And I was. The, the things that were getting squeezed out of me were, were not actually um, the best version of myself. And so August of 2013, I'm sitting at Jim and Nick's at lunch with Steve Cockrum, who had come in for other meetings. And I knew Steve, obviously, but, you know, we this was this was a very, in, very intentional lunch. And and, you know, he Steve, you were asking me how you doing and what's going on and. I don't remember what what prompted you saying you're done, but you said that. Like you said, I think you're done. And I was like, wait, you mean with lunch? <laughs> like, no, I think you're done. I think I think this season's over in terms of leading this this callous movement. And it was such a, a jolt, but it was also like an incredibly refreshing thing to hear somebody say that I really trusted from the outside. Um, because what happened for me is that that moment, I was like a boxer who's, who's in the ring that won't, they won't, they won't look around and go, guys, I, you know, I, I, I've gone eight rounds. I think I'm good. A a boxer will literally stay in the ring until they get knocked out. And it was him being my, my manager in the corner and going, Hey, let's call it. Now we hadn't made that decision yet, but, um, what that then prompted was 
um, let's, you need to take some time off. This was Steve's recommendation to me, take some time off, take three months off this fall. Um, we, we want to do an intensive with you to really like look back at all the things that have happened and now like kind of shape the future. And that was when I went to London and I came and like stayed at the house there, the, the manor, uh, the, the, uh, the priory, is that what it's called? A priory? Headser, yeah. Headser priory. Yeah. yeah. Headser priory. And I'll tell you what, that intensive was arguably the greatest influence and thing for me that allowed me to not only like transition well into a new season, but actually like transition well into the next like 30 to 40 years of life. And there were a lot of things that I would have probably said at the time, oh, I know that. I, I'm I'm good, guys. I've I've done the hard work of being self-aware. I've done the hard work of like looking back at life. I've done the hard work of planning. But what I didn't realize is I hadn't. And so, you know, that that several days that Steve and I spent together were arguably, you know, again, some of the most important moments in my life. And I'll, 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 I recall one thing. I mean, many things I recall, but, you know, during the intensive, I didn't know sort of what the plan was. I think that was on purpose. Right, Steve? I'm not sure there was one, Brad, completely at that stage. Well, I knew roughly where we were going. Yeah, but I mean, you were, you know, this was, this was, this was one-on-one, -on -one, like we're, you know, we're, we're having conversations mm. all throughout the day. And one of the mornings, you know, it's like, what are we doing today, Steve? It's like, well, we're going to, you know, let's take a walk. And so we were walking along the Thames River and, and, uh, and he said, I think it's time we kill Callus Brad. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's when it got kind of scary. You're like, what do you mean? Is this literal? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I always remember that big portion of fish and chips that you were eating at the ferry. Whenever I go there, I always think of you and go, hey, this is where that conversation happened. I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not sure whether it was me who said it or you said, I think this is probably the place we need to do this. But Yeah. And, yeah, we, and, we, and we really kind of had that this, this uh, I would say, like a almost a celebration moment but also a very intentional, uh, just short of cheesy, but very intentional and needed um, moment to say, let's, let's actually like take this season you've been in and now allow it to finish and to end. And, um, you know, it was like we, we, we kind of had this, just this, uh, this moment there that I look back on and if I wouldn't have had that, if we wouldn't have walked through that, I think in the years following, the few years following me stepping out of leading Catalyst, if, if I wouldn't have had that moment, I would have probably been bitter. I probably would have tried my hardest to like kill the thing I built and help build. Um, and this happens to so many leaders is they, they, they build something, they're the founder or, the, you know, and they walk away because of of either they want to walk away or somebody else tells them to. And then they just spend the rest of their life, like trying to prove that they were the best leader to lead that thing. And it, and to be able to then walk into catalyst a year later and hang out and not feel like I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping or waiting for somebody to tell me, Hey, Brad, when you were here, it was so much better. And, Cause that's, <laughs> that's what so many leaders do. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they walk away and then they're just looking for validation of, of man uh it's not as good as it once was mm -hmm. and that's toxic man that is a that is like neon flashing signs toxicity 100 percent. i'm at back to secure confident and humble tell them what your book stands for 
yeah, H3 leadership, be humble, stay hungry, always hustle. So the the premise of the book really came out of that time. And it was for me, like, I want to reestablish, I want to reestablish the framework of, of healthy leadership. What I think is true for going forward for me over the next 30 to 40 years of my, of my journey and my career and my arc, uh, but also like trying to help younger leaders and those coming up behind me to have a framework for, for leadership that is, is going to be not just healthy, but it's going to be, um, it's going to be functional and intentional. So there's 20 habits in the book that are built around these three areas of hustle, humble, and hungry. And, you know, those are the habits I'm trying to live out again for, for this next season. Well, what's so fun about, again, back to our relationship is, uh, and we're sharing with our audience here, um, you know, we were, I, I would say that we were very successful, Brad, in what we did. We turning something yeah. from nothing into a global, well, a national brand, let's just say. But the, I, I remember the strategic and tactical conversations of our big events. These would be three days of events with 12,000 people uh, to, to, you know, 6,000, 5,000. Mean, we had just different size events. And then you'd have one day's that were unbelievably successful for an era, for a season. And, you know, we, we built that and primarily you, your influence and your everyday work, but it was that combination of working together. But what's great about this story is both of us survived it, came out healthier because we chose self-awareness. We chose to look in the mirror and we chose the road of humility. And, uh, and then even our own relationship and we've talked, uh, you know, uh, numerous times, dozen times since, but it's that like, it's learning how to cheer each other on. We were sitting together uh, a couple weeks ago and just how you do, I mean, we're talking about OU football and other things, right. but we were, but we were just uh, encouraging each other. And that's the coolest part. If you can get past the insecurity and insecurity and pride produces all drama. And yep. it's really a journey to, through humility into, you know, true relationship. So thanks for being so responsive, man. Well, and that's why the the work that Giant does is so important is you're actually like giving people a roadmap and a tool and a process to actually get more secure and to become more humble and to become more confident and content because you know the way you're wired. And again, there's so many leaders out there that, are incredibly successful, but yet they're they're not like hitting the 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 true sense of what um, ultimate success looks like, which is that you're actually helping people around you thrive and flourish. You're making them better uh, because so many of us still we walk around on eggshells around people that you know they may be able to deliver, but yet if we're honest, we're like, man, can they just turn the dial a little bit differently so that we can enjoy the the you know the process of actually working together um so this is why the, this work is so important and you know i by the way one more story going back to the catalyst days jeremy you'll appreciate this one um because you know we were always trying to do something crazy at these catalyst events and you and i were we were totally on board with this idea in, in terms of like let's do something that's just out of this world because the dreamer in you the visionary uh you know we, we love those conversations. Um, but I remember one of the years, you know, we found this, we found the guy who shot himself out of a cannon 
like the Saturday before the the next week's conference. And uh, we, you know, we he was at some county fair, and so I got a hold of him somehow, and and we figured out, okay, you he live he's living in an RV. Let's let's let him set it up at the arena. Let's make this happen. And on Monday, so we already had this thing finalized like by Sunday morning, and then Monday Monday morning, uh, Linda Sasser, yeah, who, yeah, who was yeah. Uh, CFO CO. or COO, COO yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I got the call. And Linda was like, "Hey, why why are we adding? Why are we adding on a Monday before a conference? You know, some extra thing, and it's going to cost this much. And you know, this is the kind of stuff that that uh, that you know we need to we need to start to limit." And I said, "Linda, listen, I will stake my reputation. I will stake my reputation on this decision. Arguably, might be the greatest marketing move." for the catalyst brand we ever do in the history of this movement. She was like, okay, well, it's on you, you know, if this thing doesn't work. And so we shot the guy out of a cannon. And to this day, I mean, some of the greatest moments speaking, I mean, teachers, prayer times, like God's moving in the hearts of people at catalyst events. And it's still to this day, when I see people, they're like, oh, I was there when you shot the guy out of the cannon. Like, <laughs> That's all you remember <laughs> of all your years. So, and if you want to check that out, surely you can just uh, you know Google. Oh, it's still on YouTube. Yeah, uh, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catalyst. Yeah, go watch it. Shoot a man out of a yeah. cannon. All I remember, <laughs> all I remember is like I'm like yeah, all excited, and then about I don't know maybe uh, three hours before the event, I'm like, do we have insurance? <laughs> like we are covered, right? <laughs> No, I'm thinking, no. Did we no, surely? This... Yeah. And he had well, never. I... He had, by the way, he had never. He was. He was on America's Got Talent like the next year. For those of us, for those in the U.S. who have watched America's Got Talent, yeah. We would say that we, you know, we launched him into uh, a, the next level. But literally, he, he literally had never. He literally had never um, done an inside cannon shoot like inside of an, an actual building. <laughs> He'd only done it outside. So. We were like, "Can you do this?" He's like, "Yeah, I can figure it out." So, I mean, he he just said, "I'll I'll you know I'll be about twelve feet left of that of that light truss up there above the stage." <laughs> like, well, okay, let's go. We could have been famous for really other wrong. reasons. Oh my gosh! Thankfully, well, uh, no, thanks, Brad. It's so fun. We literally can talk. We could have about twenty five stories that we could just drop oh, in gosh. like here's when this happened or this person and these celebrities and you know uh i have a funny one that we'll talk later about switchfoot uh, i i, I <laughs> accidentally yeah. did so anyway um steve any last comments though with brad before we let him go it's, it's strange on this because i'm i always feel like paternal in the sense of wanting to say brad i'm just so proud of you um the, the 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 catalyst Brad who came to visit ahead of Priory compared to the leader I and friend I engage with now, it takes a lot for pioneers to actually own what's it really like to be on the other side of me, and then not to try and blame everyone else, and actually go it begins with me, and uh, I think the thing is when you when you actually relax into going now, which is you don't have to prove to people you're competent. Everyone knows right. you're competent. Whatever you do, you're competent. But what you've done is you've chosen to then say, how am I going to use that influence? And ultimately, the way you're wired finds the deepest fulfillment, not in what do you achieve now, is what do you enable others to achieve 
who would not have got there without some of the sponsorship, the investment, the development, the connections that you bring. So that that's the bit for me where you've gone to another level of influence because in the end, you're not trying to prove yourself to yourself, let alone trying to prove to other people. And I wish there were more pioneers in this world. Um, I do believe you're an ENTP, by the way. I was wrong, um, but that's another one. If you're an ENTP, ENTJ, INTJ, the story of Brad is the journey that every pioneer has to go on if they're actually going to fulfill all of the potential that is in them because they don't lead by doing more. They lead by enabling more and watching you do what you do. And, you know, so many of the people that you've sent to me over the years, I think you've been the greatest marketing tool for life intensives ever. Um, I still got people from eight years ago who, who just go, hey, I'm so glad Brad connected me on that. So just a, a thank you and a huge sense of pride because most leaders don't make the journey you have. And it's just such a joy listening and reading and seeing what you're doing. So well done. Yeah, well, and I would you. I would add to that just say thanks, man, for being responsive. I'm gonna to be a responsive pioneer versus a resistant pioneer. And um, you know, and just even our friendship, I'm grateful for it. And in both of us maturing, it's almost celebrating maturity is really what we've been doing with, with one another since. So I'm really super grateful. And and thanks for working really hard way back then too. That helped too. Um, so <laughs> where do, hey Brad, where do people find you if they wanted to uh, uh, get any info about what you're working on? Yeah, well the best I would say the best uh, the best thing I'm putting out there is is probably my podcast on a regular basis. So h3leadership.com. That's go. the podcast page. So you can you can go there. Uh, I also have a you know. My, my name, bradlominek.com, but there's not much there that gets updated. But h3leadership.com is the podcast. It's obviously free. So that's that's where I would send everybody. Sweet. Brad, thanks for coming on, bro. We'll talk to you later, Brad. Enjoyed it, guys. This was fun. Good to see you. Cheers. Well, that was awesome. Uh, Brad is such a great guy. Um, it's so encouraging, isn't it, Steve? Just to, to hear stories. And, and it's just fulfilling work that we get to do. So, absolutely. Um, all right. Final thoughts, brother. We've finished this podcast. Um, what are some thoughts from you? Do you know? I think. I mean, I'm going to carry on almost with what I was, what I was applauding and celebrating Brad for, is that in a sense that the Brad actually did the work to learn what would, what did it look like for him to be at his best? What did it look like to develop that self awareness, the ability to know what was it really like to be on the other side of me? So. I, I talked before in the first question of going, the journey from unconscious incompetence <laughs> to conscious competence always goes through conscious incompetence. And the hardest thing for leaders who are successful already is to embrace the fact that growth always means owning the things that are not good about us or the things we struggle with or the things we'd really rather not deal with. And the more successful leaders are, the less really they have to do that if they don't want to. I think just my encouragement to, I've seen you do it, I hope you've seen me do it, and I've seen Brad do it and, and others, that actually the, the journey where you're prepared to go, I don't want to just be good. I want to be the best I could possibly be. And I'm prepared to go through that painful process for all of us of going, there are certain tendencies and patterns in my life I don't like, but I'm committed to the growth the other side. So that's my kind of you know Christmas challenge almost to, to people as you listen to goes. 
actually, would you commit in 22 to go, I want to be the best version of me as a leader I can possibly be? And even if that means having to embrace some of the pain of going, gosh, there's still things I need to grow in, just realizing from the story of Brad and what's there is to go, if you listen to what he is on the other side and the influence he now has, it was because he was willing to embrace conscious incompetence and not actually give up on that process. So, um, yeah, that was that was deep. It was profound because I think those of us who walk yeah. that journey, we know how painful it is. And I never blame leaders for not wanting to go there. But those that do always find a new place and mm. a spacious place the other side where you go, I get to lead as I was made to be. And I get to have a level of self-awareness in it, which is so much more attractive to the people around you than the unconscious, incompetent version. So that's my little thought for Christmas and a little pioneer yeah. challenge. What about you? Yeah, I, painful is that word because it is painful. I'm, I have uh, one of our, as you know, Steve, one of our dear friends um, uh, was with us, with me last night, and I spent two hours this morning, 6 to 8 a.m., uh, working on some things with with him. And it's it's painful but he's, he's willing to go through it. He's willing to do it. But my last thought would be, if you're liberating yourself, if you're literally bringing high support and high challenge, not dominating yourself. So if you're dominating yourself, this process is really hard because it just adds to, you're a loser, you're an idiot, you don't know what you're doing. But when you, true, when you want true liberation, when you want empowerment and, and freedom, um, then you go after it. Then it's actually a really good work. It's a really, really good work. And that's what we do at Giant. We basically get to help people heal. We get to take things out of them. We get to call them up into who they are. And then we get to be on the other side of it when people like Brad go on and do these amazing things. And as a healthy leader, because he's 100%, he's getting to you know 100% health or that direction. And now he's multiplying and he's giving it away to other people. And that's an example of 100X leaders. We need more Brad Lominick's in the world. We need more 100x leaders in the world, and especially pioneers, because we know that the pioneers are the ones who get chosen to run um, companies. And for the most part, they're the majority, uh, but they're such a small percentage of the population. So really, really fun today. Uh, good to see you, brother. Um, should I, do you want me to like uh, send you any sand um, from Cancun or is there anything you want? maybe some sunshine i think it's a measure of the growth that's happened in me that i've actually thrilled you going and i'm not going to be jealous when you send me <laughs> the pictures because when we were at headster and you kept going to the maldives that was a mo there were, there were moments <laughs> once, <where> like, <laughs> once. <laughs> but i hope you have an amazing time i love the fact you're taking your parents and the family with you and uh, what a special thing to be able to do so yeah i'll be praying you yeah, have an amazing that. time and watch out for jet skis coming off the beach yes i will Hey, Merry Christmas, bro, Thank and you. Merry Christmas to all of you, and wish you all the very best. Until next time, we'll see you later. Cheers. If you're looking for a speaker for your next event, whether live or remote, Jeremy Kubitschek speaks to audiences all over the world. 
Jeremy is a best-selling author, international speaker, and co-founder of Giant Worldwide. He has started over 20 companies while living in Oklahoma City, Moscow, Atlanta, and London. Whether you're looking to impact your executive team, your entire organization, or if you're hosting a public event, go to jeremykubicek.com to learn more.